You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. I still sometimes want to say of 24-7 sports, even though it's not true. I'm going to blame the fact that for the first, like, year plus of the podcast, that is what I said. Uh, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, formerly of more than half a dozen Indians, uh, Cleveland blogs in general. Let's talk about this game. So I decided to torture myself and rewatch the ninth before recording, just so I could have it fresh in my mind to talk about. It was unlucky. You know, let's get into the basic things. That ball going up the middle and catching Class A. You know, that should have been an easy out. Uh, Wander Franco getting four strikes. <laughs> That's an issue. Uh, this, you know, at the same time, you can't really sit back and pull the we got hosed card or we are unlucky card when you give up two runs and don't record any outs. Uh, watching this whole game, I can, just kept going back to the fact that Terry Francona couldn't find a place for Yandy Diaz. The Rays wanted him. The Rays valued him, and he could not play. Uh, everything about him was questioned, his ability to play another position, his ability to play third base. Uh, and he never got that opportunity in Cleveland. The Rays really liked him, and he got some nice revenge today. Uh, he's not an everyday starter for the Rays, but they just have such crazy depth. If the Indians had Yandy Diaz right now, he'd be playing every day for them. Don't let that fool you. That you just, you know, for some, they'd be like, well, he's not an everyday player. Well, it's, and he's playing a lot of first for them. <laughs> the Indians and Bobby Bradley has done a fine job uh, in his time up, but Yandy Diaz would find a home in Cleveland. You look at him just this year. If I go over to Baseball Savant and pull up his stuff, whiff percentage, 85th, walk percentage, 98th, K percentage, 84. So he's the rare player who walks a lot and does not strike out. Max exit velocity, 90th. Chase rate, 95th. Outs above average at first base, 80th. Good defender there. So his average exit velocity is a 43. His expected batting average is a 25. His barrels a 15. He's still more of a slap hitter. Let's be honest. That's what he is. He's not a big power player. He's never going to be that. Uh, it does make him less than ideal at first. But he's still a player who's being productive. <laughs> and the Indians... Couldn't find a spot for him. He could not play. And you know, through his career in the big leagues, he's got a 12% uh, walk rate and a 16% strikeout rate. Bad launch angles. I'm still surprised the Rays haven't really worked with him on that. But you know, he's a quality major league player. The Indians could use more quality major league players. And they just... I, every time I see Yandy Diaz, it's, just, it's, it's a frustrating thing because he's the guy who should still be in Cleveland. I, yes, you can go back. I loved the Bowers trade. I really liked him as a prospect. That hasn't worked out. You can roast me over the coals for that. I'll own it. I'll accept it. I'm never going to sit back and try to cover up a fail because fails happen. But at the same time, part of my logic you can also find in that was the Indians, for whatever reason, are refusing to play Diaz. Uh, I'm sad to see him go, but I'm happy he's going to go somewhere where he will actually play. Uh, that was, like I said, that was my logic. I just wanted to see him get a chance. 
to play. And he is getting it so far with the Rays. Not consistent, but he is getting an opportunity there. And, you know, he's, again, I, he would be useful in Cleveland. He would be a player who could help the team out. And they do not have him uh, because they... One could look at it, it was even the... Was it $2 million that the Rays... So the Indians traded technically uh, Yandy Diaz for Jake Bowers and like $2 million went from the Rays to the Mets. And eventually like was it a total of $4 million went from Seattle to Cleveland and Cleveland uh, traded Edwin Encarnacion to Seattle for Carlos Santana, but Seattle for doing the, uh, which the whole, like it was more money up front but more money was actually owed to Santana. So it allowed Seattle to get out from that contract earlier. And, hey, they eventually flipped Edwin. But they also got a second-round pick, a competitive balance pick. The Indians trade away. And then the Indians got cash. I I still do most of that deal. But it's just a situation where you go back and you look, and it's like, <sighs> Diaz would be nice. Even though, yes, he was a third baseman coming up. If you want to sit back and be like, well, they had Santana, they didn't have a spot for him, you can figure things out. This team has played some real butchers in the outfield. Uh, if you're willing to, you know, run out a, a Josh Naylor or a, uh, you know, he's not even that bad, really. I'm blanking. Domingo Santana, a year ago. Uh, you can pretty much run anyone out there. So, yeah, let's get in the positives now that I've dwelled in. Well, let's keep talking pitching. Brian Shaw. The over-reliance on him is crazy. We have talked about the fact that this is a guy who, you know, he's walked almost as many players this year as he has in the uh, his highest total for an entire season. That I think his previous high was 29, and he's sitting there at like 27 right now. His walk rate is over 7 per 9. That's not a player you can count on in high-leverage situations. Uh, the home run rate is there, and he gave up the home run to Yandi. Apologize, my cat is having a fit in the background of the podcast, and I picked him up, put him in my lap, and he jumped down, and is still complaining. And yes, if I go over to Baseball Savant, it's there's still some good data there for him, some really good data. But he has been regressing hard over the past few weeks, and without you know calling or singling him out, uh, I'd be curious to see what his spin rate data has looked like over the past few weeks, because again. Shaw is 33 and saw this great jump in his pitching performance. Uh, and, you know, now it's all kind of going uh, the opposite way. I mean, you go back to when he was most successful. I mean, he was in the, had some good spin rates in the 90th percentile, dropped to 81. Uh, it's only 76, so maybe he's not. Maybe it's just the league catching up. I mean, the fact that he's the first percentile in walk percentage. Teams also now know the book. <laughs> Go up there and be patient uh, with him. Don't get he's he's almost an entirely different pitcher than he was uh, earlier in his time with Cleveland, where he was a rarely walked anyone. Uh, his walk percentage is so high; it just makes him. And it's a small sample size, so when we still see this great overall data, you think about the number of innings, and it's only thirty six. But yeah, I just I don't know how you can continue to roll him out there same thing with Whitgren like Whitgren was that guy who 
you know, I, I've talked about many times on the show because the numbers, the physical numbers never explained how he was constantly effective. And he's one of those players. You thought, well, you know, he must be spinning it. And then you got the spin data and you're like, okay, so it's not spin data either. Why is this guy effective with stuff that um, is kind of viewed as middling or, or below that? And I mean, right now, he has the worst average exit velocity. That means he is getting hit the hardest of any pitcher in baseball. First percentile. Uh, he does have a good K percentage and a good walk percentage, but he's got almost no spin. He's getting hit hard. I, nothing is working for him. Uh, and he's one of those players where, honestly, you look at the Indians, you look at how they're built, how they're constructed. He's not with this team next year. There's no way. He's, just, I believe, I, you know, I, I'll look it up, but he's, I know he's making over a million this year, and that was a perfectly fine amount of money. I, again, he had been an effective pitcher for them. I didn't really have an issue with it. But when you look at a guy who is, you know, 30 years of age, he's making $2 million for the Indians this year. He is going to be arbitration eligible, can, you know, continuously through, well, I guess through just next season uh, would be arbitration. I, I don't think, I, you know, if he's making $2 million this year, arbitration doesn't go backwards. They're not going to give him another $2 million, So this is probably his final hurrah in Cleveland. And, you know, I'll just point out again, he had been very good in the years past. Just looking at the basic data with him, what's changed? His FIPS were always higher than his ERA. It's like that's what's finally catching up to him. His hit rate, his home run rate, his his walk rate is actually lower. His strikeout rate is in line. All of his data is kind of in line. This is the expected outcome when you look at the numbers for him. The fact that this hasn't happened in the previous years is more just that was the surprise. Uh, There's a reason why the Marlins let him go when they did. There was always this feeling that like the wheels were going to fall off, and he just continued to pitch well, and he's continued to be a very similar player. If there's one thing, like I'm looking at his 2019 data, 2020 data, going back to his 2018 data, what we have there, and then you come to this year, uh, his fastball spin is, you know, before it was in the like high 20s, low 30s, now it's down to 12. And he's never been an elite velocity guy, and he is 30. Natural aging curves happen at different points for various players. Small sample size is always a concern. We're talking about... Uh, just 29.2 innings. But I think with Whitgren, I don't know if you can have, I, I talked about him in the offseason as a potential closer. I know it's a big sudden shift, but I, I don't know how much faith you can have on him in a, any type of leverage situation. Both him and Shaw, uh, it feels like you're kind of playing with house money in terms of what you have gotten from both of those players, Whitgren for his career in Cleveland and Shaw, what he's done this year. Those aren't the guys I want to be relying on in a tight game. Uh, I've had my issues with Phil Maton over the years, but at least he's got some spin rate data that shows that there's a little bit more. Um, You know, I don't know exactly. Again, I have to dig into all of it. I know Sandlin's pitched a ton for them, but he's kind of earned his way into more of a late-inning role. We know that Tito's never going to do that with Shaw. Uh, Your big takeaways here in a positive... I mean, Logan Allen... He's just, whew, I, I don't know what you do with him. He's up here because they need a starter, but he just doesn't look like 
and it's it's kind of the danger with that profile and i got we're already at like 11 12 minutes in so i'll explain that do a quick talk about the danger with that profile get into the offensive performers in this one uh in a moment and our sponsor today is rockauto.com you've heard me talk about them i am not a car person but rock auto is easy to navigate i'm going there right now to show how easy this is i go to the re- website year make model part type part or part number or question put any of that in their search bar and they have it refined enough to be able to help you with any bit of information you have you can even change the prices from u.s dollars to australian dollars to brazilian reals canadian dollars so on and so forth going through that's that's how deep this site goes you can do a part search number you can do tools and universal parts you can find anything you need for your car over at rockauto.com they've got um you know current promotions and manufacturer rebates to make sure that you are getting the best deal possible for whatever part you might need for your car and again rock auto i've talked about it it's just a great tool for you it's a way to be an advocate for yourself when it comes to cars which is a tricky area to navigate for everyone remember that when you do go to rockauto.com you're going to want to type in a little how'd you hear about us box locked on locked on indians locked on mlb some form of locked on to let them know we sent you there so why is a logan allen profile an issue it's one of those things where i have changed my views on this over the years i used i was excited about the addition of logan allen because i was like everyone agrees this guy is a you know, he's a back end of the top 100 no doubt starter who has the really high floor i mean this is a guy you go back to 2018 he's ranked higher in the padre system than josh naylor ryan weathers the top 10 pick uh, Luis Campisano, uh, Michael Baez, Ty France, a lot of big name players in that system. And he is ranked that highly because he was the safe left handed pitcher. Like, he could not fail. He had the plus uh, curveball, an above average change. He's a good athlete. Everything came to a strike thrower. You know, now he's got like average velocity, comfortably a number four starter problem is when you're looking at just like velocity yeah it was a low 90s thing but at the end of the day he's just he's not his fastball is not good uh go over again to baseball savant fastball spin is 55th percentile so yeah he's got 44th percentile for velocity i'm sorry this is back in 2019 uh 36th for velocity sixth for spin he's also just getting hit hard because he's not fooling anyone his curve still has a great spin. That's always been, you know, uh, the curve and the changeup were kind of the bread and butter secondary offerings. But his fastball just isn't good enough. And when you're looking at a player who's, like I said, you can, it's interesting to go over to fan graphs because you look at Logan Allen, there's nothing that they have written on him since he was traded to the Indians. Before that, it's just a love fest about how this is a safe back end starter. He's going to be someone you can count on for half a decade. This is a top 100 prospect. Uh, whenever people talk about how the Indians didn't get a single top 100, that's not true. Logan Allen was a top 100 guy in multiple places, as was Gabriel Arias, but that's another debate or argument. But with Allen, you know, everything was there. He's a lefty, he's six foot three. He's got you know the change that's could be like a 50-55. The curve could be like you know both of those are projecting at like 55 to 60 grade pitches fastball purely average 
So how does that guy fail? Well, it turns out the fastball is an average because we spend too much time basing our fastball, you know, ratings on velocity. And he added velocity through the years. But what's interesting is as he progressed in the minors and his fastball got more velocity, it actually seemed to lose um, deceptiveness. I'd be curious to see what changed because a lot of those articles before that trade, because his value did take a bit of a tumble before he was traded to the Indians was, you know, he had had some struggles that year, but it was talking about the increase in velocity. So it feels like there was a change that happened. I don't know if it was a good trade change. It doesn't seem to have helped him uh, very much. And, and right now I don't, I, it, I don't know if there's a point to leaving him in Cleveland because it's just, it's not there. Uh, he isn't fooling anyone and it's, it's an issue. I know he's been hurt. Maybe he can work on things. You know, he's the classic and he was again, you know, it's the greatest shape of his life story. We hear these every year. Uh, but it doesn't matter if you're in the greatest shape of your life. If your fastball doesn't, it's easy to pick up. And that was, you can, if you dig into those old scouting reports, I was digging through them. It talks about, you know, bulldog on the mound, comfortably a number four for the next decade. But if four pitch mix, change up curve, slider was the fourth, but that, uh, sometimes there were points where his stuff was easy to pick up. And I think that's just what we're seeing now with him. And when you have that player that is the quote unquote four five starter, the problem is it is such a thin margin that when a player's fastball appears to be strong, but then, you know, this happens, the there's nothing to fall back on. It's what I kind of talked about when I was discussing, you know, Jordan Wicks, who's probably going to be like the first college lefty off the board uh, in this year's draft. And I'm like, I'm not really in on him. I think we tend to get, oh, this is, you know, they've got a plus pitch. The fastball is still what you throw a majority of the time. And we need, you know, the way things are scouted needs to improve. But when a profile is a very limited profile, and you'll see on Jordan Wicks this year, like a 4-5. You see on Logan Allen, a 4-5. A lot of players that have kind of that profile, there's no margin for error. If that fastball ends up being more of like a 40, which is what it looks like with Logan Allen, uh, then he he's a quad A arm, quad, quad a arm instead of being a a major league pitcher uh, and that's what it comes down to when you have no room for error even a slight error we call it you know traditionally it's like oh he's low floor he'll you know he's got two above average pitches the fastball is okay he should at least be a reliever well i don't think that is a great way of looking at it i've been guilty of looking at it that way but i i've also over the years something i've failed to uh quantify well but i've talked with scouts and many have agreed with me some don't uh, is this idea that when you have a safe safe player oftentimes when we talk about a safe player it is a low ceiling player do you feel pretty confident can be a regular in some form that that player is actually a bigger risk than a player who might have more tools because tools allow you to get away with more when you are a safer player who does not have those tools you need to be exactly what we think you are you need to have no error. You need to have no, oh, we're going to you know, take his speed down a mark or we're going to knock his fastball down. None of that. You have to be exactly what we think you are. And the scouting profiles aren't often built that way. They're built with a little bit of growth for any player. Because again, these are 20-year-old kids or teenage kids. But the problem is when you're a player that that is no room for error, which are the safe type of prospects, then you end up in a Logan Allen situation. And again, 
you know, going back to my discussion with Pat last week, top 100 prospects lists are interesting. Uh, I don't know if I've actually looked at one this year. I don't know who the consensus number one prospect in baseball was heading into this year. I couldn't tell you. I think it's often best as a tool for, you know, seeing who is viewed as valuable. Uh, like I said, it was also fun to go back and read all those articles about, oh, well, the Padres traded, they quantified and smashed together uh, talent and traded three. They did quantity for quality to get Taylor Trammell. And Taylor Trammell, um, you know, we've seen him dip a bit. And that's another story. That's the toolsy guy where it hasn't all come together. But in general, with baseball, to get back to my original point, the lists are fun, but, you know, just don't view them as gospel. Uh, enough about really went off the rails here on Logan Allen and some personal scouting philosophy. Uh, Make the long story short, basically super safe profiles. Be very wary because every player is built with an amount of unknown. And sometimes you get Jose Ramirez and sometimes you get a guy, you get Matt Laporta, where again, supposed to be the safe profile and it just doesn't come together. Let's talk about the positives in this game. Uh, the player who has become what Matt Laporta was supposed to be, and that's Fran Mo Reyes. Three for five, 12 home run, came with all that missed time and comes out and gets a home run and a double. What a day. Three for five. I'm just going to repeat it again because, man, the Indians could use his bat. Uh, Jose Ramirez goes two for four. Ahmed Rosario goes two for four. Cesar Hernandez goes two for five. Makes a few really ugly throws. I understood at the end of the game. You have to go home, but I don't know what was going on there. Uh, you know, I talked a little bit on, I think on Twitter, I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, uh, there's not a lot of need for second baseman, and second base has become a position where there's a lot of players who play it, and maybe the Los Angeles Angels would be interested, but honestly, at this point in time, the Indian ship Cesar Hernandez somewhere with his defensive value really kind of regressing this year. Uh, I know the home runs are there, and like some of the baseball savant data for him is quite good. I think basically Cesar Hernandez is, uh, it's going to be like when they traded David Murphy for Eric Stametz. Uh, I remember telling Nick Swisher about that trade and him just kind of being sad. He, it, super nice guy. Got to meet him during a, uh, a rehab in AA. Uh, shook everyone's hand afterwards. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say about Nick Swisher. But we were like, oh, did you hear that they traded Murphy? And he was like, oh, well, who'd we get? Like, you know, you could tell he thought that the Indians were trading Murphy to get a big piece. And we are like, well, they got Eric Stamets. And he's like, who's that? And we, we explained it to him. And he just kind of looked sad. Uh, you know, he, it's unfortunate that, you know, his body broke down on him. But he was, like I said, from interaction there, was a really nice dude. But any deal with Cesar Hernandez is going to be the same. You're going to get a flyer type, and the other team's going to take on that salary for you. Take one more break here, and we'll come back and continue to talk about this game. Uh, and just my general view on scouting in general. Let's go over and see what betonline.ag has to say about tomorrow's game. Uh, they were at a run and a half to the Indians. You actually wanted to bet on the Indians in this one. Uh because, you know, with the way the game fell, uh, betting on Cleveland was the smart money for the game uh, yesterday. The Tomorrow's game is a noon game. It is not listed. I'm wondering if because of the earliness of the game and some of the craziness down there in Tampa, if uh, that game is not listed for that reason. So you can't actually go over to betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKDOWN, get a 5-0-50% bonus, and bet on the Indians tomorrow. You could bet on any other... Uh, multitude of games uh just doing a quick look through there 
kind of like Jordan Sheffield with the Yankees, just because the Yankees have been shuff, uh, been scuffling a bit. Uh, you know, John Gray has pitched really well, but Matt, it, that's an interesting one. John Gray has pitched well for the Rockies, getting a run and a half. The Rockies are terrible. The Diamondbacks are terrible. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not the person who's necessarily the best with these things. I do like Oakland with Chris Bassett. Bassett gets no respect, not an all-star, getting a run and a half against the Houston Astros. If any of those lines sound great to you, go over to betonline.ag, use that promo code Locked On to get your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Everyone likes free money. That is betonline.ag, promo code Locked On. Okay, three stars of the game. You know, I realized I didn't give uh, Justin Garza some credit. I probably should. Uh, I might have been the only person who talked about him before his call-up. Talked about him right here on the podcast as someone that they like so much. They drafted him out of high school and out of college. He's now up to six innings uh, in the majors. Has he? I don't believe he's given up. Yes, he has given up a run because he's got an ERA. But uh, a whip of .47, just two hits, two earned runs, one walk in those six innings. A good story. A player who dealt with injury to make it up to the big leagues. Pitches one and two-thirds innings. James Karinchak is fantastic in his one inning, so give credits to the credits. Give credit to those pitchers. I think in this one, though, obviously Fran Mel is an easy choice. I'm going to give it to Garza because he has not been one of the three stars this year for me. And then your final player, I'm just debating between Jose and Ahmed. I think in the end, I'm going to give it to Ahmed because he had the uh, the double. He had the only other extra base hit in this one uh, for the Indians. Top of the lineup doing their thing. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Again, I, I've, Kansas City could be a great fix what ails you, or they could just keep piling on uh, with the Indians' struggles. Two more against Tampa before we'll, of course, preview the Kansas City series. I was going to talk about center fielders. <laughs> I had that all set up. Did not expect talking about the game would take this much time that I would end up getting that annoyed and then also fall into tangents as I have. I, again, if you haven't been listening to every show, the Indians need a center fielder. I mean, the Indians, I was digging into this before the show as well. The Indians have needed an outfielder since 2018. You go back to 2017 and Michael Brantley's there. Uh, unfortunately, only get 90 games, but he's in those 90 games. He's okay. That's the Austin Jackson year where he gets 300 plus plate appearances and is fantastic. Lonnie Chisinau has good numbers across uh, his 270 plate appearances. They trade for Jay Bruce and he is useful down the stretch. Bradley Zimmer, not as much. Uh, Abraham Almonte, not as much. But at the end of the day, they still had enough outfielders that. When they when there was that need, they made the trade for Jay Bruce, and they shored things up. Jump to 2018. That's the year where Milky Cabrera uh, plays a majority of your games in right field. You've got Greg Allen in center. You have Michael Brantley, who's fantastic in left, but then he's your only outfielder who has real value, and he leaves. So 2019, your main players are Naquin, Mercado, and Bowers. At least the Naquin uh, Luplo. Luplo platoon was great, but the rest of that, not so... Uh, Mercado was fine, Let, let's be fair. But they, like I said, they have needed an outfielder since the 2018 season. They came into the season, they signed Eddie Rosario, but they still needed more outfielders. Uh, with the way Harold Ramirez has played, and with Josh Naylor's knee injury, or ankle injury, 
They still need two outfielders, and specifically they need a center fielder. They do not have a center fielder. They do not have uh, anyone immediately in the system who's going to fill into that position. Uh, They do not believe in Daniel Johnson because they're not playing him. He's 27. He still hasn't got an opportunity. Eddie Rosario was taken out of this game. He had an MRI earlier in the week. Obviously, something is not feeling right there. Uh, If he does go on the disabled list, which honestly, with the all-star break coming up, makes sense. Put him on the disabled list. Let Daniel Johnson get a few looks here before the end of, uh, before the all-star game begins. Uh, Better just to have some depth on the roster rather than playing someone who's obviously a little bit gimpy. But right now they don't have a center fielder. So later this week, you know, I pulled up data from 2018 through 2021, looking at the top center fielders in baseball. I cut that down to 2019 through 2021. And I was just looking at this year as well. So we're going to dig into that because the 40 man crunch, I can't get through an episode without mentioning it is coming. Even with this team struggles, they should be buyers because you can either be a buyer now or you can give away those prospects later. So makes sense to be a buyer. I think they should still be a buyer in spite of everything because uh, you're building for the future. They have pieces in place to be a team that can contend for a wild card. Health has been an issue. It's an issue for every team. But the overall hope is take the core, take what's there, knowing that, unfortunately, like this is probably Jose Ramirez's last full year in Cleveland. That's just the truth of it. Good chance he's traded this offseason. He'll be gone by uh, July of next year. But you still have everything else. You're going to start trying to supplement those pieces, hoping that some of these young players can come up, stick and stay. And adding someone you have three to four years of control of to keep those cores going, to help fill in the gaps, is vitally important for this team. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. All of that really helps the show to grow. Uh, give me feedback. I am always looking for more feedback on the show. It's gone kind of silent on Twitter. <laughs> Makes me nervous. Numbers look good in terms of listening, but uh, Andy, haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, Zayden, right now. Uh, Zal, haven't heard from you in forever. Hope everyone is okay and healthy. Uh, feedback is also great and important for the show. So, Uh, Yeah, let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what is occurring. Let me know what you'd like me to talk about. I know I've gotten away from some of the historical stuff as well. Uh, Do you want me to get back into that? I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Needs Podcast. For the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.